Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head. 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm -hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are, some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan. Hey, hey, back in studio. Little, little, little hiccup there. I did some movement yeah. around of our inventory and I, I left uh, something yeah. off. That might be the intro piece, yeah. but it happens. That's okay. Here we are. Here we are. Busy week. Back in studio. Uh, obviously, last week we were well uh, immersed mm -hmm. into the sportsman show that was. So we'll get into that in a bit. want to welcome everybody uh, with us tonight, coming to you live, 6 p.m. Thursday evening, as we do each and every week, from the lovely shores of Summit Lake, located here in Olympia, Washington. Uh, glad to be back in studio evening. Uh, folks are starting to sign on here, Tommy. I anticipate a pretty good attendance this evening. As per usual, we have a number of great topics to get mm -hmm. through, some guests lined up, and some really good conversation you and I are going to have later on in the show. But uh, before we get in there, I want to remind everybody, hey, please jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. A lot of you came down and saw us at the Sportsman Show, walked out with a lot of our merchandise and swag. Well, there's always more where that came from. And we keep a lot of that on our online store at our webpage. If you haven't checked us out, go to our webpage, follow us, subscribe, if you will, and uh, get notifications from time to time and in uh, emails when it's appropriate. Also, um, if you would, jump over to our uh, YouTube channel. We are on multiple platforms, YouTube being one of them. We are attempting to grow our YouTube channel uh, week by week, and it's going pretty well. So want to continue that. If you haven't subscribed there, please do so. Help us out. And of course, those of you joining us on Facebook tonight, and or we actually kind of kind of live over there on Twitch too. Mm -hmm. Though unless you're a gamer, you don't right. really don't really know what that is, yeah. right? So yeah, uh, it's how you play this game. It's how you play yeah. this game, right? Um, all right. With that, Mister, how are you? How's the week? How's things going? Doing good. I'm down uh, 38 pounds since January 3rd. Oh yes, the weekly yeah. update on the weekly week. 38 update. pounds. 38 how, pounds. How does that feel? It's feeling really good, and I'm in the middle of a five-day fast, mm -hmm. right? Got to get the autophagy rolling, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep steamrolling this thing until I get to 240. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, I could fast for, like, I don't know, four hours, and then yeah. I'm like, I got to eat something. <laughs> it's time to eat, yeah. Yeah, five days, that is that is crazy, but uh, good for you. Yeah, yeah you're looking yeah. good. Getting there, getting uh, there. Pretty soon, you're going to be the skinny one of the group here. Uh, I'm gonna that is the plan. I, I probably will never get as skinny as Jordan. No. I don't think that's humanly possible, no. but... Um, Getting a little closer. Well, you could just not eat for like four weeks. I think it would take me a whole year <laughs> to get there. <laughs> no offense, Jordan. Yeah, no offense. That's called jealousy. Yeah, it's jealousy. What, it's, that is nothing. This is but, what jealousy looks this like. This is what jealousy yeah. looks like, right? So, um, well, good man. Keep it, keep it going. Yeah, you know, that. Yeah, time to uh, time to continue with the the New Year's uh, movements and working out and getting in shape and thinking about all the things you want to do later on here this year and the the hunts and the seasons we mm -hmm. want to get through. Got to be in shape for that stuff. Yeah, Getting absolutely. harder and harder for old guys like me. Yep. So sleep's important. Yep. Well, and I should be able to carry at least another quarter, right, if I lose this weight? Yeah, good so, point. Yeah. Two, maybe even three. Yeah, stack the weight on yeah. for sure, packing it out. So, all right, uh, as we move along here, uh, I had mentioned the Sportsman Show. Man, what a turnout. 
yeah. relatively speaking. I mean, they had some mandates in place, and people were a little leery about coming out. And opening day was pretty good. Thursday mm-hmm. was a little bit of a lull. Friday and Saturday were the days, though. Friday I mean, we and had Saturday. just a ton of people coming in, saying yeah. hi. Yeah. Um, and it was like, you know, for me, it was like a family reunion because mm-hmm. we didn't have a show last year. And so all those people that you would typically see in that sportsman show, um, you didn't. They weren't there last year. Yeah. It's just, so it's like reconnecting with a lot of folks. It's good to see people in their booths, um, you know. And people were coming by to buy the swag. Oh man, Sherry did a phenomenal job. We got to give her a lot of credit <laughs> in is, setting up the stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. The hoodies, particularly, and some of the hats were just flying off the shelf. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. so many. Uh, just re- people really love our logos and the way we've kind of spread them out and the different types of logos mm-hmm. we've. You know, Don has helped us create over the last couple of years, and a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah, as we put it on hoodies, front or back print, plus the you know fish on Northwest and the the all the different hats and so it's just the uh, the merchandise has gone full on and you're right, Shing's done an amazing job in that regard. Um, but yeah, you know apparently I was told um, it was about thirty percent down as far as vendor mm-hmm. participation, and you could kind of get a sense of that because the far building wasn't occupied, the upstairs at the hunting. Uh, pavilion wasn't occupied, but it really didn't matter. It just it was a smaller footprint, um, and, and it, which wasn't bad. Of course, we don't get a lot of time to get out and see right. and talk other than mm-hmm. prior to opening, and then at the end of the day, you're so exhausted, you just want to get out of there. But right. um, yeah, we did have a good turnout. We want to thank everybody for coming by the booth, uh, purchasing our merchandise, giving us accolades for what it is we do here each and every week. The the format, Tommy, that you and I lay out. Yeah. The 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 conversations we're willing to have, the topics we cover. I think the over-resounding message from you folks that tune in week in and week out and, and give us support is keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Keep having those conversations. We love all the how-tos. We love the on the water and in the woods, the hunting, the fishing, all that. But mm-hmm. we also have that extra special element of conversation. Right. That people really yeah, are drawn well, to. It's, it's good to get that feedback because sometimes you're, you're always wondering if your message and the content is resonating with the viewers, right? And is there something for everybody um, in the overall show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I certainly appreciate people taking the time to stop by and, and thank us for the content. Yes. Um, and to, to give that message to keep doing what you're doing. Right. And, um, you know, I think that depending on the viewer, it could be something else that they really look forward to. It could be the recipe of the week. Yep. It could be, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a technical gear junkie, right? So I'm, I myself do just a ton of research looking at different how-to videos. So the mm-hmm. Bay Lab resonates with a lot of the people. Yep. Um, and then, like you said, you know, we cover, we cover hunting, we cover saltwater, we cover freshwater, right? And so it's, it's a little bit for, for everybody. Um, but I really appreciate the feedback. And I would say, even if you got feedback that we don't want to hear, I, I mean, I want to know that too, right? We hey, want to hear, but we hey, don't want to hear it, right? Right. right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd rather hear the negative stuff too, like the things that you don't like. Um, and and it's kind of one of those things that it's it's a litmus test, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, I heard it one time. I'll, I'll probably ignore that one input, but if I start yep. hearing that five times, six times, you know, um, hey, maybe it's something that we need to tweak a little bit going forward. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, there is a small contingent of you folks. I get it. You don't like the commercial breaks we take, but this is a produced show that we are creating. And right. our commercial breaks are what, you know, our supporters and our contributors to this show help us keep it going. So we ask that you uh, tolerate the infrequent commercial right. breaks and uh, help us out in regards of patroning mm-hmm. those businesses that support us because they are 100% on board with us. All sponsors coming back for 2022. We're mm-hmm. rolling into this year with some new sponsors. We're going to roll out. Archery World is on board. We got some new ones coming on board yeah. in the next couple of months. It's just moving. And we have to thank mm-hmm. the fans and the followers and all of you that have stuck with us now. We're just about to the end of season three as far as, you know, calendar. Uh, we're, we're, we're saying yeah. we're kicking off season four here. But it really, from where we started to where it is right now, it's just gangbusters. Amazing, yeah. yeah. So and we couldn't we couldn't do it without the sponsors, right? We would not have the show. Oh, correct. Um, yeah. You know, to pay for the studio, for, to pay for all the production yep. equipment, to pay for yep. the time. Yep. Um, so there is an investment that has to be made in order to produce the show and provide the content. Absolutely. Yep. So, but again, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the fans and the followers and you folks that subscribe to this and, and help us share our content and the, the topics that we have. And, it, you know, over-resounding, once again, the... the, the the information that we're putting out and the topics, it's resonating with folks. We're going to keep it going. Yep. We're going to keep it going. JJ says we need to come out with uh, pink boat rags, boat towels. Oh, yeah. That's Not a good idea. idea. Yeah. I like that. Good idea. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, speaking of which, all this stuff piled up here on the front of the desk, Tommy, 
that makes it look like absolute clutter and dishevelness. Um, there's a reason for this. We have a lot of swag here. It's a Fish Hunt Northwest and Max Lure uh, combined prize pack. It seized $100 easily with everything sitting there. That is going out to one lucky winner who was fortunate enough to enter the drawing Saturday or Sunday down at the Sportsman Show via purchase or spinning the wheel, whatever your qualifier was. Mm -hmm. Their name, their tag is in the bucket. Towards the end of the show, we will be uh, drawing a name out of there and prizing somebody up with all this swag. So make sure you're tuning in and make sure you uh, pay attention because that's happening later on in the show. Uh, speaking of which, uh, shows and things going on, you, you, my friend, are still connected to the boat show for a couple more days. Absolutely. You know, and so I've already given three seminars so far. Um, you know, gave one on how to fine tuna. And by the way, all the seminars this year are completely brand new. And, you know, I'm always trying to tune the information that I provide, that I deliver, um, you know, bring together all of the new lessons learned from year to year to year. And so every presentation that I'm giving this year is absolutely brand new. The first one that I gave, um, which is how to fine tuna, I thought with, you know, how hard it was to pin down those schools in 2021. Yeah. I really wanted to stop and focus on, you know, sea surface temperature, um, chlorophyll, how to read thermoclines, like what decisions do you make based on the data that you find, right? That was seminar one. Um, seminar two, I did, you know, how to catch large model halibut and link cod. And so I traditionally will give a halibut and link cod seminar, but this seminar is different in that I just wanted to focus on just the tactics to produce big fish. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was uh, yesterday, but you can also view it online. I'll get to that in a second. Um, and then, of course, I delivered the tuna tackle and tactics, right? So opening up the tackle box and really talking about, I think the, the golden piece of that seminar is I talk about five spreads, okay, five trolling spreads, and when to recognize when to use each one, what tackle goes with each one, how you set that up. Um, and then the one that I'm giving Saturday will be on top bets for coastal salmon fishing. Oh, nice. So talking about, yeah. you know, a lot of the CQ, Nia Bay, La Push, Westport action, how to fish each of those areas, the tackle involved. Um, and, you know, just so people can, you know, keep in mind, don't worry if you didn't make it. Because if you buy that virtual package deal at the boat show, and there's a couple different levels, mm -hmm. you can continue to watch all of those seminars after the show. So it's still available. And then the other thing that I'd say is, you know, as you and I talked before the show, mm -hmm. We're going we're gonna to do some really intentional um, series for the fisheries that are coming up. And, um, you know, looking at two, three-part series for halibut fishing, mm -hmm. you know, covering different aspects of that fish, fishery in the bait lab and how yep. to prep for that. Yep. Um, you know, so if you missed it, don't worry. <laughs> More is on the way. We're going to go deep in the bait lab mm -hmm. for sure as we roll into these seasons coming up and these fisheries. You know, as spring rolls around, man, it's exciting times, Tommy, because... A lot of our fisheries are just on the forefront, and it's like, okay, so we want to get the information to you prior to finding ourselves in that season. Right. So your your yep. point to that is you're gonna you're gonna put together a two three part series of preparation for halibut fishing that folks are asking for. This kind of stems from feedback we're getting from your seminars, mm -hmm. folks that can't quite make it, folks that maybe can't afford the the high end package that is all inclusive. Well, that's the beauty of our show. We can. We can format what it is we choose to format. Absolutely. And we're going to listen to you people. Yep. You want to see stuff in the bait lab. We are going to put that together for you and uh, really drill down on some teaching points to help you find success later in the season. So good stuff to come in that regard. I'm excited. Our, our bait labs are going to be just going like crazy this this coming year once again. So, um, okay, we got, some, uh, we got some clam dig dates once again. We do. We do. So here's the clam digs coming up. Uh, I'll read down the list. February 14th, which is a Monday. Uh, low tide is at 5.35 p.m. Uh, Long Beach, uh, February 15th, Tuesday, 6.09 p.m. Out of Long Beach and Mocrox. The 16th, Wednesday, uh, 6.42 p.m., Long Beach and Copalis. The 17th, Thursday, Long Beach and Twin Harbors. And then uh, Friday, the 18th, um, negative 1.2, Long Beach, Twin Harbors, and Copalis. Still something that I have not done myself. Someday what? I will do a clam dig. I, I mean, done, I've done, like, you know, steamer clams, stuff you know like what that. I, this is what I love. It's like, you get me out doing some things that I either have scheduled previously, never got, it never came. You know, it's yeah. like weather, whatever. And so, and we've had some experiences out on the boat and on the ocean and things have just been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And then we've been able to introduce you to... 
Oh yeah, these other things. Slew right? of things. So yeah, it's yeah. just that that is the beauty of your strengths, my strengths, and how this actually works. Yeah, and there's just so many opportunities. Oh, you it's know? just crazy. And then, it's uh, so hard to keep up on them all. Yeah, and it's like if I could just if I didn't have to work and I didn't have a honey do list <laughs> yeah. and money was no option, right. I would just be covering it all. Right. right? Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, I want to catch everybody up. You know, uh, Senate is still in session. Uh, legislation, I should say, is still in session. We're about halfway through this early uh, part of the year with legislative session. One of the ones that, Tommy, we had been following is Senate Bill 5567. Mm-hmm. That was introducing alternative gear selection options right. as far as commercial harvest. Uh, if you have been following us, you know that we've talked about pound nets, fish wheels, all the variables that were removed off the table back in 1931, mm-hmm. uh, and it was strictly put on to gill nets and then later tangle nets. Um, so apparently, Senate Bill 5567 is dead on arrival, not going anywhere. So there'll be no fish wheels, there'll be no fish traps, there'll be no mm-hmm. alternative gear selection options. Um, so we are basically still commercial harvest, Columbia and other parts of the region with gill nets and tangle nets. We, we okay, so it, you know that's status quo. We still are. Moving forward also as they construct seasons relative to the Columbia fisheries right. as it as it weighs in with Oregon and Washington. Still mm-hmm. in differences there. Yep. They have not be, uh, become concurrent with language that would appease both sides. So still uh, no movement there. But, um, you know, that is where it landed once again. Not enough support to change the alternative gear selection options in our in the realm of commercial harvest, just to bring you up to date yeah. on that. So, by the way, um, Larry on YouTube says that my goal for this year should be kokanee. <laughs> yes, yes, it should be. Yes, it should be. Uh, before we uh, jump, yeah, yeah, before we jump to the and and fishing for kokanee more than just grabbing bait for uh, halibut. Oh. So, uh, one thing I uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention, we had a bit of a steelhead escapement. Some yeah. steelhead escaped at large. Uh, have you seen me? All these uh, steelhead <laughs> out there swimming around, right? Uh, great little graphic we put together. Once again, WDFW uh, was on the hook for accounting for 250,000 steelhead smolt. Mm-hmm. Well, this is over on the east side. Nearly quarter million young fin-clipped steelhead escaped from the southeast Washington hatchery following an equipment failure. Um, it, it's, it's stated to be a significant loss that will most likely impact the state's lower Grand Ron in early 2024. Mm-hmm. Now, conversely, fishing could also be really good at Lions Ferry on the snake. Uh, totally depends on the survivability of these smolt and right. if they're, you know, where they're heading and if they can survive at the time of them entering into the Columbia River, as we know it, uh, once they get there. But it looks like there was a gasket unexpectedly deteriorated uh, left about an inch and a half gap, which was mm-hmm. big enough for them to swim out. Now, 250,000 in that in that controlled environment, they didn't they didn't realize it. They literally didn't realize it until they drew. So it's like a 12 foot deep. Yeah, yeah. Can you ima- can you imagine? So you're sitting there, you're getting ready to move these smolt over to an acclimation pond, right? right. In in the Ron, and so you're drawing down the water so that you can access these fish to move them. Yeah. And you get down to the bottom and you go, huh, huh, where, where are all the fish? Where are all the kids? Where'd they go? We, uh, <laughs> we left without the children again. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's in, in the report, it was, you know, it's a 12-foot deep uh, rearing area. They draw mm-hmm. it down to about six foot, which exposes um, this, this uh, screened wheel, which mm-hmm. is where this gasket resides. And they're like, oh, we got a problem here. Right. And so, you know, and they look at this gasket, right? And they go, oh, it, it is literally falling apart. The mm-hmm. material of the gasket is crumbling yeah. to the point where it creates this inch and a half gap. Yep. And the fish swim out, which the reason we bring this to your attention is because this article hit my phone, Tommy, during the Sportsman Show, literally blew up. WDFW, once again, incompetence. Uh, they need to fire these people. There's just this list of yeah. of hate and discontent. And I looked into it. Now, I didn't call Chris Donnelly, friend with Chris Donnelly, Region 1 manager over there. A great guy, mm-hmm. solid individual. He's been on the show multiple times. He's talked about a lot of the really good things they're doing with the Roosevelt area and a lot of those big water uh, areas in, in Region 1. Um, he was quoted in the article and saying, look, uh, this is not a personnel issue. Right. This is yep. not a staff problem. This is an equipment failure that we've recognized. Now, keep in mind, they're 
their maintenance process is they draw down, they check these annually. Right. And they replace them w- probably annually. Or and they had to replace this seal. That one was in yep. there for six to eight months and it crumbled, as right. you said, right? Yep. You, can't, you can't foresee that. So yep. versus a complete fish die off, like in a retention area, it's right. like we lost 500,000 smolt. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. We had a bacteria outbreak and they're all dead. Mm-hmm. That I put on the, the lack of... The process. Yep. The money's or available. Or to the process. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. So this is an equipment failure. They escape. This okay. is they. They ordered the gasket that they typically order from their supplier. Uh-huh. They get this gasket. Yep. It doesn't have the right material properties for whatever reason. It degrades before they hit their inspection interval, and now they have the situation where these smolts escape. Yep. So yep. you know, there's no there's no need to hate on WDFW on this one. In some regards, we got a bunch of fish out there a little early. That I guess we'll uh, we'll see survivability we'll see or how not. It goes, yeah. Right, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, moving on. All right, running down the show. We got a busy one. Uh, we're gonna jump out for break. We come back. We're gonna have Tommy Tucker, owner of 360 Fishing or 360 Fishing, Steelhead Fishing, Southwest Washington. Tommy, area compared to say the coast. Rules of engagement. How to be successful and enjoy the experience because there's differences on the, on your approach. We're gonna get with Tommy. He's very good at describing what that looks like. Then we're also going to uh, give you a treat, uh, FHN recipe of the week, duck breast and coconut curry. Mm. Simply amazing. I got to tell you, man, Jeff Maxfield, uh, owner of Finn's Bistro and co-host uh, Shing, bringing it to you. Another great one. Yeah. When we went and did that series of recipe cooks up there. You made sure I was busy doing something else You that had weekend, things going yeah. on, thankfully, so I got some food. But this one, <laughs> this is back when you used to eat. Right. This one was a standout. This is by far my favorite of all the ones we did on that particular day. Uh, later on the show, Tommy, we're going to have a conversation between you and I. Mm-hmm. We've been following the movement on the commission, the appointees of the commission. We delved into who these people are. We have questions about some of these folks, but, you know, in true fairness, when some of our commissioners do the right thing, you got to stand up for them. Absolutely. We have, to, we have to also educate you folks, make you aware of those on the commission who are our allies. Kim Thornburn is one of those who, in my mind, in your mind, Tommy, is a standout. She has done some really good things over time. She went on record twice uh, supporting the bear, spring bear hunt. And not only that, recently, article with her quoted and written on, um, she had some things to say about the process in selection. Mm-hmm. Very interesting coming from a current seated commissioner. Uh, this is some information you guys need to hear, so stay tuned. Get into that later in the show. And then hunting negativity, or I actually like to refer to as hunter negativity can't we all just get along and do antlers really (laughs) matter right that'll be a good one this is one i know you're looking forward to this stems from uh uh some interaction on our social medias as of late figured it was worth having the discussion and i'm waiting to see things blow up here on our on our board as the evening progresses so all right that is the rundown lots of info to cover we got a raffle towards the end of the show lots going on uh hey we're gonna jump out for a quick break while we do so invite your friends to come join us make sure they find us either on facebook or jump to our youtube channel and subscribe you have a couple minutes to do so we'll jump out for a quick break we come back we're gonna get tommy tucker owner of 360 fishing on the phone talk a little steelhead fishing right here at fish up northwest Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. 
or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Hey, welcome back in studio here, here uh, Fish on Northwest, waiting on Tommy Donlan in studio. And on the phone, Tommy Tucker, owner of 360 Fishing. You can find him at www.360fishingtrips.com. Tommy, how are you doing this evening, buddy? I'm doing really well. Thanks. I'm going to have to figure this out. If I say Tommy and both of you start talking, we're going to have an uh, issue. It's going to be confusing. Yeah, you, I can think, call, you can call me Donlin for this one. I'll call you Donlin. Yeah. I'll refer to you as... Good, sir. The, sir Donlin. No, it'll be the Donlin. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, hey, Tommy, so steelhead season is upon us. Um, you know, there's, there's some limiting or restricting factors in effect, as we all know. But because of your... Uh, opportunity to cover a couple of different regions. I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective tonight on, say, some of the areas you focus on southwest Washington compared <laughs> to the coast. So, uh, jumping into it um, right now, or is it later? Are you spending more time in southwest Washington, or you know, are you kind of favoring the coast um, here, middle of uh, middle of February? Yeah, so I spent, I started my steelhead fishing uh, early December and, you know, went through January here in southwest Washington. Um, but I bumped around a little bit and gone, you know, up north uh, last week in January and then been up there a little bit since. And I'll continue spending pretty much the rest of my season till the end of March uh, up north chasing those big wild fish. But uh, gotcha. a lot of opportunity down in southwest Washington as, as well as up north. So talk about the rules of engagement because they are different by area. So what are the differences between Southwest Washington and that, those coastal rivers? Yeah. So some of the big ones, and it, it is kind of tough when you're bumping around fishing down South and then you go back up North, but you know, one of them is, you know, we can fish barbs on a lot of the rivers here in Southwest Washington. Uh, we can fish treble hooks. Uh, we can fish dual treble hooks on, on some rivers and dual presentation setups, um, bait, and, uh, you know, we can fish from the boat on, you know, pretty much everything for the most part. Um, so those are kind of the biggest differences. When you go up north, uh, you're limited to uh, no bait. Um, you can fish out of the boat on some stretches of river, uh, but it's single barbless. Those are kind of the main differences. So you got clients in the boat. You're floating a southwest uh, Washington River. What is, uh, what is kind of your go-to? I mean... I can think back to the handful of years I was guiding. It, it's very apparent first thing in the morning, like, uh, these people can cast or no, they can't. So now <laughs> I'm going to spend a full day running plugs. I mean, do you kind of base it off, you know, techniques you know that work and capability of the of the actual anglers in the boat? Yeah, you're definitely spot on there, Dwayne. Um, you know, if, if you got some folks who don't want to cast as much and just want to catch fish, you know, bring the plug rods out a little bit more. Um, absolutely. But, you know, if you got somebody who's pretty dialed, you know, going to be running probably a double bead set up or bait in a bead, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially for those hatchery fish, it's really hard to go wrong with any of those things. So with all these heavy um, coastal river regulations that you now have to deal with, how has your approach changed on those coastal rivers in terms of just general approach to getting down the river, tax, tactics that you're using? How's that been working out for you? Yeah, that's a good question. It's so different, and it just makes you as a guide look at water so much differently, um, so much more differently, because you're looking for spots that you could fish it from the bank or way deep enough to fish. Um, so I'll be looking, you know, throughout uh, – just little areas where I can get my guys out. Some spots are easier than others. Other spots are, you know, they're going to wade up to their waist. And again, it just kind of goes off of uh, my client's, you know, ability to get after it. If he wants to go up to his waist and, you know, fill all those pinholes up and stand a good chance of catching a fish, I'm going to bring him to a lot of different things. If I got somebody who just wants to be, you know, on dry land cast and not getting their feet cold, um, it's going to be a little different program. Yeah, that sounds like Jordan. Yeah, that kind of sounds like Jordan. So, uh, how about so you you got a you got a number of clients that are returning returning clients for you, <clears throat> and now the last couple seasons out there on the coast, you've been faced with a completely different approach, and you're introducing them to kind of some different ideas and and how to fish. How what's their response been to the change? I mean, you, you basically like on those coastal streams, you may not cover as many miles of river. 
because you're stopping and going so much more, getting people out on gravel bars, they're casting, they're fishing. Is, is there some enjoyment on their half, you know, as far as that experience compared to what it's always been, kind of on the move, pulling plugs when applicable, bobber dog and covering a lot of water, seeing, seeing a lot more river miles in a day versus now having to slow down in this, this approach? Yeah, no, that's, that's another good question. And it's just different. Um, you know, it used to be awesome to cover 12, 14 miles fishing from the boat, just fishing on the go, looking for those kind of, you know, first pass biters. Um, but with this new regulation, it, it's also kind of cool because we're just getting more time to pick apart certain runs and stuff. So, you know, you can really cover a run, uh, really well when you're fishing it from the bank. Mm. whether it's switching presentations up through there or throwing some metal through, um, you're just really able to pick it apart better than you used to be able to do from the boat, in my opinion. You know, one of the things that, because um, I've fished all over the world, and, and I would rather go out with, you know, a good guide or a good charter captain and learn the fishery. And I actually, I actually and this is going to sound crazy, but I actually value that learning more than I actually value the catching of the fish, right? No, it makes sense. If, if you go out and you catch yeah, a bunch absolutely. of fish, right, you go one Bonus. mile outside the marina, yeah, and and that's what it is, and you get your limit and you go back in, what did I learn? Did I didn't I really learn? learn anything. Yeah, you didn't even have to work it, for and it. And so, right? yeah. you know, what, I'm kind of wondering about, you know, the coastal regulations versus the southwest region. You know, these regulations cause you to reevaluate your program, and, and also your client experience is a lot different, right, because now you're forced to get out of that boat um, yep. and you're, you're really giving that client a chance to absorb, um, the river, how it's laid out, you know, where to lay their float in, which seems to fish, um, you know, versus, you know, maybe drifting a river in Southwest Washington where you're just, um, maybe you're not getting out of the boat, right. And you're, you know, predominantly staying in the boat and, and you're, con- as, as the guide, you're controlling a lot of where their floats are, how they fish. Um, and how successful they are, right? They, they probably don't realize it, right? Your, your clients think, well, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm making the perfect cast and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I'm curious about the learning part. Do you feel that, um, you know, your anglers now that are, are forced to get out on the bank, that they're actually learning more as a result of that? Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And I think you're 100% spot on. Because when we're fishing from the boat, it's more like, you know, cast right here, let it flow. Okay, reel it in, adjust your depth here, cast here. And they're basically just my casting arm, like, for my head. And yeah, when you put that's, them on the bank, that's well said. Um, yeah. they're, they're the ones who are doing all the work, covering the water, gridding it out, and they're the ones who are actually, in my opinion, really catching the fish. Awesome. Um, and I think they can relate to that, too, because, you know, they'll pick apart a run, and then their bobber will finally drain and be like, oh, yeah. I did that, and then they can kind of apply that on their own. You know, when they go home and fish their their home river system. Yeah, the only downside here is you're teaching all these folks to truly be anglers. They're learning to read water. <laughs> They're understanding where steelhead like to hold, uh, presentation, <laughs> and and all of those tools that make for <clears throat> hopefully a successful uh, opportunity. And so pretty soon your client list dwindles uh, <laughs> in that regard. So, uh, well, awesome stuff in, uh, in all of that in trying to, you know, kind of just put it out there, what it, what it kind of means or how you reflect on the season. And uh, truly the differences on what these rules have created. Uh, it limits your opportunity in some regards. But, you know, if you look at the positive side of it, it actually opens up opportunity for persons to step into that classroom, which I think is so valuable. You just can't, you can't underestimate the, the, the day and the enjoyment that they take away from that. So uh, before we let you go, I want to jump into a quick talk on springers. The, the numbers are out. Uh, you will be running some springer trips. We want to make sure yep. folks know where to get a hold of you. But before we get there, what are your thoughts on some of these forecasts? You kind of anticipating some good opportunity this season? Yeah, it's looking like so far from the forecast with the Columbia and some of the tributaries, they're looking on par with last year, which, you know, anybody who's fishing last year knows it was a pretty good year. Yeah, so yeah. if it's anything like that, I, I think we're going to have some great opportunity, you know, end of March, early April, and even further on. Yeah. Uh, bef- okay, so you got openings uh, as it relates to Springers, and if so, can folks contact you on your, your webpage? What's the best way to get a hold of you? 
Yeah, they can uh, they can reach out on the web page or uh, you know give me a call. Uh, phone number is three six zero eight three zero six one nine nine. I'll be running some Willamette trips, some Columbia River trips uh, for those you know last days. It's open in April. Yeah, and then uh, I'll be fishing some tributary stuff down here in Southwest Washington uh, later in the month. Perfect. Probably we'll uh, we'll see you out on the water more than one occasion. So always a pleasure, Tommy. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Jump on and and help us out in figuring out exactly what's going on this season with Steelhead. Look forward to seeing you out there on the water for Springer. And uh, don't be a stranger, man. Come back anytime. Yep, absolutely. Hey, thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Tommy. And uh, good luck to everybody this Steelhead season. Hey, Amen. Thank you. All right, man. We'll keep in touch. Yep. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Tommy Tucker, 360 Fishing, look him up, www.360fishingtrips.com is where you're going to find Tommy Tucker. He's been doing it for a long time. We'll introduce you to a phenomenal day, whether he's in his big boat, raft, drift boat, what have you. He's got the tools to make your day happen. All right, Tommy, we're going to jump out for a couple-minute break. We come back, a couple of uh, in-studio discussions right here between me and Sir Thomas, Sir Donlan, Mm -hmm. to my right. Uh, We are going to give credit where credit's due as it relates to the current seated commission. Then we have a little discussion following that. Uh, Hunters, can't we all just get along and do antlers really matter? Jumping out for a couple minute break. We'll be back right here in studio here, Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima Boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima Boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our clients' security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. All right, welcome back in studio here. A number of things to talk about, Tommy. This is Fisheries What You Need to Know, presented by Better Homes and Gardens, Pacific Commons. Um, We uh, we have spent some time in the last several weeks to month kind of discussing what it is currently as, you know, you can refer to it however you want, the debacle that is on the commission and some of the things we've been subjected to and some of the, well, it was reported and falsely reported, you know, infighting and just persons not getting along. And there's all this, all this rumor stuff out there about mm-hmm. the commission and new persons coming in and just how it's creating this chaotic uh, environment. That's not truly so the case, right? Right, and it's, and it's, it's not um, the people in the commission, right? The commission is functioning as it needs to function. To the best of ability. That's right. Yeah. So um, it was interesting last week in the Spokesman Review a newspaper, Kim Thorburn, there was an article in there, and she was quoted multiple times and and uh, some of the things that she had alluded to. And uh, to kind of summarize, you know, the Washington State Fish and Wildlife Commission is in the spotlight and allegedly dysfunctional, as I was mm-hmm. alluding to, uh, fraught with interpersonal conflict. I mean, this, this right. is verbatim out of the article and some legislators are proposing a way or means to fix it and their Mm -hmm. resolve on this is 
During a hearing of fix-it bills, lawmakers seem to call out the appointment process as what needs to be fixed. Now, you remember, not too long ago, so what they mean by that is some of the stuff we saw, these bills that were introduced to, well, let's put it underneath the Lands Commission. Let's, right. And by doing so, we subjected to appointees being appointed by the Commissioner of Lands. Right, DNR. a single individual. Yeah. yeah. So they, they wanted to completely turn around or, you know, upturn the matrix on how this all happened. And then make it an advisory commission and then, yeah, instead and of one that can set it. policy. Yeah, right, exactly. Yep. So they want to go down that road. Uh, persons like Kim Thorburn, who um, is is one of our allies that currently sits on that commission, you know, she kind of raised her hand and said, say, time out. Um, she's gone on record saying, I agree that the problem lies in the appointment process, not in the commission itself. Exactly. But in saying that, what she means is that the party's responsible for the appointment process. Mm-hmm. And she basically said it. She called it out. The governor and the Senate. Yep. Uh, following existing laws, there's already <laughs> the ability to effectively compromise or, excuse me, comprise the commission that does what it is supposed <laughs> to do. Protect, perpetuate, and preserve the state's fish and shellfish, the wildlife, conserve, and the uh, uh, authorities take so as not to imperil the resource maximize hunting and fishing opportunities and include volunteers in these efforts. So in other words, she's saying there's already rules in place. And we also need to follow the process on how to put persons in the seat. That is her her main stance Mm -hmm. on this. So check this out. So, you know, in the article, it states, you know, speaking of rules, um, there's two statutes that govern commission appointments. Okay? Correct, yep. And I want to list these out. People can research these um, if you have some time. RCW 7704-030 and RCW 7704-055. Um, by the way, neither of these are being followed today, mm-hmm. right? Currently, yep. Which gets to her point of, you know, there is a process in place and there's rules that govern that process, but we're not following them. And so these rules have to do with, you know, the process of the appointments, um, the geographical distribution of the commissioner appointees. Yeah, very important, yep. um, The terms, the appointment dates, the time limits of filling the vacancies, right, yeah, which yeah. we know yeah. um, have not been followed. No, to the point that, uh, and as we alluded to here several weeks ago, uh, Larry Carpenter, whom we've both known for like a long time, and he's been an advocate for hunting and fishing for years, he sat as the chair on the commission. He sat as the chair on the commission 451 days past his uh, termination of his existing mm-hmm. six-year term. Governor Inslee did not reappoint anybody to position. He just kind of left him there saying, well, we're trying to figure this out. He just he had no motivation to change anything. So he left Larry there as the chair for an additional 451 days. Also, if those of you uh, tuning in have been following us previously, we, we talked with Ryland Waithman from the east side who mm-hmm. was lobbying for that east side seat. That vacancy was left for 390 days yeah. until it was recently filled here with the lead, latest uh, appointees. So to your point, the, the process and the time restraints on the commission appointments, mm-hmm. this is what Kim's talking about. Dr. Yeah. Thorburn, she has stated that these processes are not being filled or followed. That's right. Well, not only have those um, time you know, requirements been followed at all, um, but neither have the way that the qualifications of the individuals are supposed to work, point, right? Yeah. And you've noticed that um, it, it kind of, well, it kind of started with the appointment of Lorna Smith and Fred Kuntz, right? Uh-huh. You see two individuals come in, they've got zookeeping backgrounds, um, you know, how to manage predators in a controlled environment and pro-predator, and they come in and the decisions that they had made uh, to date are completely emotional, right? Yeah. And so, you know, part of these laws and I want to read this to you, talk about the qualification of the individuals. In making these appointments, the governor shall seek to maintain a balance reflecting all aspects of fish and wildlife, including representation recommended by organized groups representing sport fishers, us, commercial fishers, hunters, also us, (laughs) private landowners, Mm -hmm. us, Mm -hmm. and environmentalists. And that's just not something we've seen in the recent appointments. Not even close. As a matter of fact, several of our well-known hunting groups have made it known the governor did not consult them, reach out to them, hey, looking for input. Historically, the organized hunting groups and fishing groups within the state of Washington have had a say, 
have had the opportunity to give input on the types of persons and or bring persons to the forefront and say, this individual is high on our radar. We, uh, we support this individual in moving them into a commission seat. We would like, uh, we would like you to see the value of that. So uh, there's also a considerable well-founded speculation. This is the one that kind of grinds my gears here, mm-hmm. that the only groups consulted in this entire process were organized anti-hunting groups. So not only has the pendulum swung so far <coughs> to not involve the um, well-established groups and organizations that have been here in the state of Washington for a number of years, mm-hmm. have historically had input on assisting with giving, well, just that, input to the selection process, but disregard, blatant disregard for that, and let's just go completely over here, and yeah. let's take the input from the animal rights activist groups and individuals they represent extremist environmentalist fringe whose beliefs have little or nothing to do with fish and wildlife conservation. That should be a concern to everybody tuning in tonight. Yeah. Well, and to expand on that further, you know, um, the commission's mandate to really conserve and manage the state's fish and wildlife, mm-hmm. it's not being adhered to, just mm-hmm. like plain and simple. Yeah. Um, you know, these animal rights activist groups, they're advocating, you know, no hunting, no hunting of a certain species. Um, banning traditional methods of hunting, right? None of that is bipartisan, right? That is strictly the the governor and adhering to his constituents, mm-hmm. which lie within <laughs> these activist groups. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's let's face it, yeah. right? Yeah, um, it has nothing to do with keeping the mandate and the purpose of the commission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, furthermore, these groups. Um, and these recent commission appointments, they're bringing conflict to the mandate, right? Yeah. They're not adhering to their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And they've made it a political issue instead of the rightful management mm-hmm. of the fishing game in our state. I mean, case in point is the black bear hunt vote, mm-hmm. right? And also um, their stance on the blues, melon, elk. So we've seen in public view, just in plain sight, mm-hmm. they're not hiding where they stand. No, not right? at all. It is, no. it is there for everybody to see. Well, when you have that support, when you have drawn and garnered the support of thousands of people, you're just going to put it out there. Right. Because it's not like you're standing on an island of your own. You mm-hmm. you have loaded loaded the, the process. You've loaded the deck to say, hey, this is the direction I'm taking this, and all you people with me, yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. to swing it completely the other way. The, the problem here is because it's become so politicized, um, it disrupts the commission's duty to the mission. Yes. What's the mission? To find equitable opportunity for all of us to engage in hunting and fishing where applicable uh, in the name of conservation. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're given that right to um, take that opportunity when it's there. And there's plenty of opportunity out there, but they're finding ways to work around it. To yeah. say, oh, no, we just no. Just lower the elk objective and cancel the hunts. And don't pay attention to right. the science. Right. We're going we're gonna to base this off emotion. Yeah. Nine out of ten have uh, tuned in tonight to say they don't want to see spring bears killed. Right. right. Right? Well, how come? Well, they're crying. Look at them. They, yeah, right. You know, it's an emotional We response. can't do this. So The same group um, of people that said follow the science in other areas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another another right. statement or quote in the article that I that I was uh, got my hackles up, apparently the animal rights groups have the ear or an ally in the mm-hmm. governor. Yeah, they do. So if, if, if the current governor is um, giving time for these folks to weigh in and, and, you know, that he gives them an ear or if they find an ally in him, that's concerning for all of us. Um, it, it has been suggested multiple times, we don't need new laws to improve the function of the Fish and Wildlife Commission. We need to utilize the laws that are in place. Right. Somebody needs to be held accountable to ensure that these laws are being followed. Brian Blake was in here several weeks mm-hmm. ago. He says, look, there's timestamps on this stuff, but, it, you know, it kind of becomes problematic with one-party rule. Yeah. Nobody's going to call there's really no, there's no punishment, right? No, there's no punishment. There's yeah. no punishment. So um, in, in that regard, you know, I want you folks to remember that uh, as far as the bear boat that will be coming up here shortly, early March, the nine-person commission that we have now, all nine seats are filled. Um, Molly uh, Linville is currently the, the, uh, the chair. She was she was co-chair or a vice chair. She has been moved temporarily into the chair position until the commission votes on who they want in the chair seat. I'd be very happy to see Molly Linville as the chair. Mm-hmm. I think she'd do a phenomenal job. Why do I say that? Well, the four that voted in favor of the bear hunt, 
were commissioners Kim Thorburn, as we mentioned, Molly uh, Linville, Jim Anderson, and then Don McIsaac. Mm-hmm. They're all in favor of. Um, we're going to see where this goes. We yep. already wait our bets. We just need one more. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think it's going to be a 5-4, and we're going to land where we want to land. But I agree. I guess we'll see. Again, this is just uh, our opportunity to take advantage of some information that was put out there. A lot of you guys don't see all this stuff. We like to kind of break it down, bullet point the, the matter of facts, and bring it to you because we feel, Tommy, that uh, Kim Thorburn, Dr. Thorburn, needs mm-hmm. some credit where credit's due. Right. So in that regard. Um, switching gears, my friend, actually kind of staying on the hunting uh, realm. So put out uh, some information here last week, kind of ran some ads on our social media stuff and generated mm-hmm. some pictures that were getting thrown out there. There were a few folks that weighed in on one of your higher elevation cow hunts that you were successful. Right. Yeah. My Idaho elk hunt. Okay. Yeah. And the question was, oh, you know, mighty hunter, look at me. You know, I kill a cow. Yeah, right. Why are you, something effective, like, why are you smiling? Why are you happy yeah. that, you know, that you shot a cow elk? Yeah. yeah. So, and that yeah. got me to thinking, you know, I go... Here again is why we have struggles in moving forward on some of our issues and things mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be battling because we can't even be united within our own group. Right. Now, the, the breakdown on that is if you, if you do what you do, you self-load, you have multiple guns, you put mm-hmm. in time on the range, mm-hmm. you dial in your ballistics, you dial in your uh, scopes, you have your dope charts, Mm -hmm. you put your engineer hat on, and you are very efficient and effective in longer range shooting Mm -hmm. than most would be comfortable in doing. Yep. Okay? I, mostly due to time restraints, but maybe that'll change. Mm -hmm. Typically, I have my gun that I enjoy, my 270. Yep. I go to the range a few times, I dial it in, I shoot ammo out of the box, like most do. Uh, I figure out which ammo is coinciding well with my specific gun. Mm-hmm. Um, we take all the specs, we put together my dope chart, and I'm comfortable within a couple hundred yards of putting down an animal, mm-hmm. okay? That's another method. Other folks, so you might be a 800, you know, 600, 800-yard shooter. You might be a 100, 200-yard shooter. You may be an archery. You know, you right. may be you an archer. You may be muzzleloader, you may be archery, you may be spot and stock, hunt the rut. You know, it just, just depends, right? And, and so, you know, what, what, what this guy was getting to is like basically saying um, you have no right to be happy that you harvested a, a cow, yeah. elk, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we've, you've taken heat in the past before, um, you know, running the bait game, which has all of its own set of challenges as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way I look at it, my, my approach is that, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I want to fill the freezer, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, when we talked about that recipe, I don't go to the store and buy me. I do not. I haven't bought a steak in years and years right. and years. It's, yeah. been, it's been over 10 years. It really because has. of your successful hunting. Right. With, yep. you know. Hunting and fishing. And so in my house, I don't, the only meat that I have in my freezer right now um, that I didn't harvest myself is Hempler's uncured bacon. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Other than that, I so so that's my first set of criteria. Okay. Once I meet that criteria and the freezer's full, which now it is, now I'm gonna switch to bull hunts. Okay. Yeah. So now for the year 2022, this year I've got two bull hunts lined up. Yeah. I'm only chasing bulls. I would love to be the guy that only hunts bulls. Trust me. Mm-hmm. But you know, if, as we've mentioned on the show before. You and I both, we started our hunting career relatively late in our in our lives, right? Absolutely. Um, so it's not something that I grew up with. It's something for me that started in 2015 mm-hmm. with a three by four whitetail buck. Okay, that was my first yeah, harvest yeah. of of, a, of an animal. Yep. And so, and now obviously I'm addicted. I've shot five elk, two bulls, three cows, um, and trust me. My goal is to chase bulls every year and not have to worry about putting meat in the freezer. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely an approach on that. But but this gentleman took issue with that's like that's like me saying during halibut season in CQ. Oh, look at those look at those people. They kept five pound halibut. They kept a ten pound halibut or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And and like looking down on that individual. Why are you happy, right? And that is totally. Uh, well, first of all, it's disrespectful. But second of all, you don't know what that person's situation is. Sure, not at all. You don't know if that individual has never been halibut fishing in their life. Correct. That could have been their first halibut ever. Or maybe it was 
you know, the grandma that had, you know, say terminal cancer, that's her last trip with her grandson, yeah. right? And then that's it for her. Yeah, good point. So you, you never know what the situation is. Um, and so you really should never judge, especially another sportsman, you know, hunter or fisherman or fisherwoman. It doesn't matter. You, you shouldn't judge. Accomplishment is accomplishment. You mentioned yeah. it's like uh, learning to hunt and doing things. So I realized after I had engaged in this activity and talking to many people, you realize hunting archery blacktail out of a ground blind is like a mm -hmm. really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm two years into this. I'm discovering that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there is that whole argument, private land versus public. You know, I've killed right. animals on both. Yep, so um, have I. I've killed deer with a bow, a shotgun, and a rifle. Mm -hmm. Why? I'm just trying to, you know, engage in opportunity. Yeah. So if you prepare, and whatever that means of preparation is, and you feel confident to go out and execute that, and you're successful, mm -hmm. whether you're at 2,000 foot elevation and you got a cow tag, or it's 10,000 elevation or more, yep. and it's a struggle, and it's where you can't gauge the success and the amount of work it takes to put all that together and find that success right. and provide for your family. You know, yeah. it, and, and some of this, it's that infighting amongst user groups, amongst the hunting public mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know, the population, that is our demise. It's like, we all need to come together to move forward on this issue, that issue. The right. Spring Bear is a great example, mm -hmm. okay? If they were all just isolated into their kingdom saying, well, uh, we utilize this method mm -hmm. to go after bear at this time of year, so I'm not going to support that issue. Yeah. Well, then you're missing the point here. It's yeah. like we all hunt. Well, okay? and, and we've, we've talked about this point before. We're, we're at a point in, in history, especially in Washington State, where it doesn't matter if the issue is hunting or fishing and you only do one of them. If there's a fishing issue and you're a hunter, you better be supporting your fishing brethren. Yeah. Okay. Because we are such a small user group now mm -hmm. that we have to support both sides of that equation because we are we are taking part in a tradition that is dying yes. today. And if we do not fight for what we have today, we will lose it on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be united in taking on these challenges uh, to your point. So we're at seven and a half million persons here in the state of Washington. I know we're fast tracking to hit eight million before too long. Um, with COVID and all that we've been through the last couple of years, we saw an uptick in license sales because people needed stuff to do. Persons found the, um, the release and just the opportunity to get out and enjoy the outdoors on a different level, i.e. hunting and fishing. Mm -hmm. So we're at a pretty solid 25 to 3% card-carrying members who hunt of one facet or another in the state of Washington. And we're, I think we're up at about 11% of persons who fish. That is still pennies on the dollar, man, mm -hmm. right? So we have the majority that doesn't involve themselves in our activities. And whether you simply hunt or you just fish or, like us, you do both, doesn't matter what the issue is, to your mm -hmm. credit, all of us have to be united and standing by each other to be successful and continuing to have the opportunity to do what it is what Absolutely. we love to do, right? So Amen. this infighting and this belittling of persons on social media and this you know, I don't do it that way and you're doing it wrong. Yeah. That lens of you're doing it wrong because that's not what I do is mm -hmm. completely the wrong perspective to take on this stuff. Yeah. So, by uh, the way, um, to the individual that made the comment, I do not care what you think. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep doing me. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm going to keep challenging myself and branching out into areas that I haven't before. And I'm sure at some point here in the future, you will see bull after bull after bull mm -hmm. on the ground. Just a matter of time. Year. Yep. 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 Give us time. We'll make it happen. So, uh, okay, good stuff. We're going to jump out for a quick couple-minute break. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back, wrapping up the show. And, of course, we have the drawing, Tommy, yeah, buddy. the the, uh, the giveaways to get out. And you're looking at a $65 hoodie with the new logo on there. We have multiple sizes, so whoever wins, we'll work that out with you later. Got one of our newer hats, tons. I think Shink threw in every decal we have. I think she did. Max yeah. Lure guys yeah. are putting up a pile of of kokanee gear. I actually even threw it. Brent doesn't know this, but I threw in a couple of the flashers. <laughs> so we got a 360 rotating flasher and an inline uh, fish flash uh, uh, from Max Lure with the sand chambers. Pop them apart, put your sand mm -hmm. inside, smack them back together. So all that sitting in front of us, we're going to give that away when we come back after this couple-minute break right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium 
is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. All right, welcome back in studio here as we close out the show. Looks like people uh, pretty much agreed with our... Previous conversation. You see what I got yeah. going on over here, Tommy? Yeah, hey, you're stirring up some tickets. There. Yeah, what you got going stir, on? stirring the pot, right? There you go. Uh, okay, so we're going to get this. I'm going to pull this ticket out of here right now. I'm going to set that right here. We're going to announce okay. that winner in a couple minutes. Before we get there, uh, yeah, that, that price back there well exceeds $100, so somebody's going to somebody's gonna mm -hmm. land uh, pretty good with a lot of uh, good FHN swag and some max gear. Um Hey, the, uh, the Portland Sportsman Show kicks off this next Wednesday. We're going to go down there for a day. I think you're mm -hmm. working, but oh, yeah. uh, Shing, uh, the Beard, and I are going to go down there, walk around, see some uh, friends that we haven't seen in a couple of years, talk to, talk to some of our sponsors, and just kind of get in there and mix it up for opening day. So if you're down there walking around on Wednesday, uh, see us walking around. I'm sure we'll be wearing something that says FHN. Come up and yeah, say hi. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, no, we're not having a booth down there this year, but hopefully next year. Next year, I feel like we're going to be way past all this stuff. Yeah. We're definitely doing the Pillop show. We'll be back down in Portland. We may even head to the east side on Spokane and do the Bighorn show. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, some, some things in the works there. We just didn't quite have time to pull it off this year, but maybe some big things coming out of the Bighorn show yeah. next year. With FHN putting on a uh, putting on a bit of a display there, so yeah, things to look forward to. Um, guess what we got going on? What do we got going on? You know, and, and you and I were talking about this thing. Is it going to reopen? Is it oh, not going to reopen? Oh, that's right. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Blackmouth is reopening. February twenty fourth, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is going to be the program. So we get to Thursday fish 10. Thursday, Fridays, and mm -hmm. Saturdays. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so we can all take bets on how many weeks we'll get or days. Um, and do you think we'll see some March time? Boy, I am hopeful because I looked at the tides. Interesting tide setup. We have really, uh, really minor uh, floods. And then we got some pretty good size ebbs. I mean, the, the, if I remember right, when I looked at this first tide set, this first opening on the 24th, the flood is like two feet. Mm -hmm. It barely bumps, and then it just drops off, which, I mean, I say drop off, but it moves to you know maybe about an eight-foot mm -hmm. ebb or so, which is completely fishable. Yeah. And some of those areas up there that I like actually fish pretty fish good on the ebb. ebb. Mm -hmm. There you go. And, so, and it's going to ball that bait up tight. Oh, yeah. Ball those and, fish up. And uh, that next weekend, that next tide set, as you roll into the first uh, weekend of March, looks much more conducive. So right, I, well, I may have to schedule an extra day off work. And take advantage of that. Um, Mike Kimbrough saying, I say six days of fishing. Yep. I think he's probably about right. Two weekends. I think you're sets. right, Mike. Yep. Yeah, because everybody's waiting for it. There's going to be a big push. Now, if they would have coincided it with the CQ opener, we'd have a lot less mm -hmm. pressure in Area 10. Folks would go to CQ, start jumping on that. We could spread the... You think so? I think there's, there's a lot of pressure in Area 10. I think CQ is kind of... Let me just say, I mean, last year, and you could say, well, it's a COVID year, but there's just, they're typically for that blackmouth fishery, there is yeah. not a lot of pressure. And I don't know why, because the fishing is phenomenal out of CQ. It really is. It, I mean, yeah. it's way better than Area 10 for sure. Sure. And I'm kind of the guy in that, you know, I put my hat in the bucket of, I'd rather travel four hours and go fishing where the fish are 
you know, then hang around and fish my backyard because it's my backyard. Sure. Um, I get that. Yeah. The fact that we get an opener again, I mean, we are 25%, if I remember right, and maybe you can, 25% into our take, and we were about 50% into mm -hmm. the sublegal encounter. Yeah. So that's really what we're up against is that sublegal encounter. We could easily stampede through that within six days on the water, mm -hmm. especially if the weather's conducive. Yeah. Because we hit For that sure. margin with the first two days of that first three-day set, hardly anybody was fishing because the weather was so nasty. Right. Talking the first of January. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, everybody's kind of saying six if we're, uh, we're lucky. Matt uh, Messing. Matt Messing, yeah. yep. Six if we're like fingers crossed. I'm hoping for that second weekend, Matt, because I want to get the uh, want to get the allied up there on the water. Sertic, mm -hmm. um, if you're still on here paying attention, yes, that uh, second set. Uh, weather should be nice first weekend in March. We're out there in the allied. We should be able to even get you out there on a Saturday maybe. We'll yeah, that should work. Okay. That should work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that about does it. Winner of tonight's drawing. It just says here, Tommy Parker out of Puyallup. Parker from Puyallup. Parker from Puyallup. And I don't know if that's a first name or last name because it could be either. Could be either. Uh, Parker from Puyallup. You have won the Fish Hunt Northwest prize pack coupled with the Max Lure that you see here on the desk. We have your uh, address and information messages up here on Facebook, um, or we can simply call you and let you know. Either way, we're gonna get in touch with you, and hopefully you enjoy this stuff. We need to get your sizes before we ship that stuff out. So, well, uh, that about wraps it up here, my friend. Well done. Lots of uh, content covered. Any yeah, parting beautiful. words? No, I'm just gonna keep losing weight and getting ready for Halibut and Link Cod season. And I'm gonna spend a couple, got a couple trips before then. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna spend a couple days still trying to get my voice back from the sportsman show. It was almost gone. I didn't know I was gonna be able to talk tonight. It's gonna have to put you over here and me just sit there and go, "Yep." Yeah, I noticed yep. there was a lack of oxygen in the booth. 100. percent Yeah. So it is what happens. All right, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Please do us a favor. Continue to follow us on our social media platforms, and I mean all of them. Go to our webpage. Check out the online store. If you don't see something on the online store that you may have seen at the booth at the Sportsman Show, uh, just hit us up on Messenger. Shing's kind of getting, you know, we're, we're revamping our inventory, seeing what we have left. We have to load up a bunch of our new stuff onto the webpage, so we may be sitting on it. Uh, you won't know unless you get us, uh, get us on the phone. So uh, message is up. We'll take care of you. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Uh, follow us on Facebook if you haven't. Like our Facebook page. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter. All of those platforms are up and running and have been for quite some time. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you did, spread our content. Invite your friends so we can do this each and every Thursday right here from the studio. All right, have a great week. Be safe. And we'll see you next Thursday right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.